in Africa's Sahel region. There is much more to a herd of cattle than meets the eye. These bovines of the Sahara are a crucial source of livelihood for communities and a fiercely prized commodity in a region awash with insecurity, violence and political instability. This week on Africa and the Global Illicit Economy, from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, we're in Mali, where cattle rustling has evolved into a highly organized form of criminality. I'm your host, Lindim Tongana. For hundreds of years, pastoralists in northern and central Mali maintained their cattle in relative peace. Though incidents of cattle theft were not uncommon, it was nothing like today, where entire herds are stolen and farmers must fight to protect their cows from bandits, armed rebels and extremist groups. Deo Gumba, the Global Initiative's civil society coordinator for the West Africa Observatory, tells us more. It is true that communities in these areas, given the importance of pastoralism, given the importance of cattle, have raided each other over hundreds of years. The reason why they did that was because they needed to restock. Now, restocking would happen after harsh climatic conditions like uh, maybe a drought or maybe a serious disease that may have wiped out entire herds. So for that reason, communities raided uh, their neighbors to get cattle that they could use to restock their own herds. That is because this is the main livelihood. And that is what the ordinary pastoralists that we talked to term as ordinary banditry. And this was organized in such a way that it was actually blessed by the community elders it was blessed by the whole community because it was for the survival of the entire community. And care was taken to ensure that there were no heavy penalties in terms of human life. But in this case, you find that they attack a whole community and take all their hearts and leave them with nothing. Uh, and they do it in broad daylight as opposed to uh, at night when it, it, it was done in the past. And they just kill the owners and the herders uh, of the cattle in cold blood. Uh, this, of course, is done in an environment of disorder and insecurity that actually characterizes Mali. As many as 200 heads of cattle can be stolen in a single incident, and the numbers keep piling up, particularly in the Mopti region of Mali, the epicenter of cattle rustling. So we found out that you know, the figure that was released by the none other than the administrative authorities in that region showed that 42,000 cattle were stolen in 2018, 2019, and 2020. Now, coming to 2021, that number shot up by 130,000. Now, that is a very astounding increase uh, in the numbers. Deo, just how lucrative is this industry? Both in Mali and Burkina Faso, where we got a chance to talk to uh, communities, 
And um, the amount that we were told that is generated per month in selling stolen cattle amounts to about between 25 million and 30 million CFA francs. That's about 40,000 to 50,000 US dollars per month. Stolen cattle trades at around half the market price, at roughly $300 per head of cattle, as opposed to the standard $400 to $800. Although this, of course, varies by region. So traders say that because they are able to undercut the ordinary market, they make huge profits from the herds that they buy from jihadis. And when I talk about traders, I'm talking about traders coming from as far as Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire, Accra, Ghana, Lome, Togo, and, uh, you know, Conakry, Guinea. So all these people, uh, you know, prefer to buy because that helps them to make huge profits. You mentioned jihadists, Deo. Tell us about the key actors in this illicit market. Now, the key actors are jihadist groups, and we are talking about Janim, uh, which is the group for the support of Islam and uh, Muslims. Janim works in, term, in terms of groups, dif- different uh, small groups that constitute it. And one of them is uh, Ansar al-Islam. And then there is Katiba Masina, which is the most active in Mali. And of course, we have the Islamic State-linked group, which uh, is called the Islamic State in the Greater Sahara, and there are certain people who talked about Ansar Din. I don't know how active they, they remain on, on the field. And apart from those groups, there are also former rebel groups, CMA, the Tuareg rebels. All these groups are involved in one way or another. And then the, the, the third group are the self-defense groups. Uh, and the, one of the most uh, well-known is um, Dana Ambasagu, which is uh, based in central Mali, Mopti region to be precise. And of course, the, in this region is where you also find the Katiba Masina, who are also quite active in this region. You touched on the violence that these various groups employ in carrying out their attacks. Dayo, could you explain exactly how cattle rustling takes place? So what they do is that they get certain areas that they control and they carry out cattle rustling in three different ways. The first way in, in which they carry out is they sponsor armed guns, which, you know, they organize and uh, then they instruct them to carry out cattle rustling. And um, this is carried out in grazing fields where the herders are grazing their herds. Uh, then it, it is also done along transhuman routes when, you know, cattle are moving from one place to another. And then they also attack trucks that are transporting cattle along key roads, of course, transporting cattle to markets. The second way in which they do it is uh, they impose illegal uh, taxes on herds of cattle. So this is whole villages or, uh, you know, even larger areas which are under their control. And what they do is that they claim to protect this population. And uh, this policy, of course, is enforced by their gunmen who then seize cattle from those villagers or those members of the community who do not comply. The jihadists, of course, impose zakat, which is an Islamic tax on cattle in the local communities, and they sell that in the local market. They pocket half of the proceeds, 
and they distribute the other half to vulnerable communities. Uh, you would say that is something good, but it is still not legitimate. It is illegal. And of course, the self-defense armed groups, uh, those ones also have areas that they control and they also have a protection tax that they impose on the communities that are involved. And of course, those who do not uh, comply get their cattle seized uh, and sold. So this is all done by force and it is all illicit and it is regarded as cattle wrestling. The third way in which it happens is when herders who offered uh, any resistance, you know, during the attacks, when herders offer resistance, what is done is that they are taken themselves, they are kidnapped, and then their families are forced to pay ransom in, in cattle. So that is the third way. And we saw an example of that in Jenny district, uh, where herders who are, you know, who had moved their cattle for pastures were, uh, you know, robbed by bandits. And then when they resisted, these bandits actually kidnapped them and demanded that their, their families pay, pay ransom. And all of this in a region that has been plagued by a jihadist insurgency since 2012. How do cattle rustling and the insurgency feed into each other? Actually, central Mali was, was not originally an area of insecurity, though it served as a buffer zone between the north, where the, the insecurity began in 2012, and uh, the south, where the capital Bamako is. But then with time, uh, it also became, uh, you know, it was also overrun by the armed groups, especially the jihadist groups that then went into the area, especially when Katiba Masina came into existence, I think around 2017. And um, this availability of cattle and ready local markets became an, an attractive option for armed groups, which were seeking more funds to fund their expansion, you know, southwards. And of course, right now they have even bigger ambitions of expanding to the, the, the coastal countries of West Africa, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, Togo, and, and Benin. And we are beginning to see, uh, you know, quite uh, some uh, attacks that are being carried out by these groups. So they need a, a source of quick money, and that source of quick money is cattle wrestling. And then, of course, uh, due to unemployment and hopelessness among the youth, uh, especially in central and northern Mali, you find that armed groups have found an opportunity to not only exploit community differences, but also fuel further violence and perpetuate insecurity. Of, of course, the youth is very important because that is one, their source of fighters, and they can also serve as a vector for their extremist messages through radicalization. So the youth are radicalized, both to carry out violence, but also to pass the ideology of the armed groups. The GI's West Africa Observatory has an upcoming illicit hub mapping initiative that seeks to map the key illicit hubs across West Africa. And we're going to discuss this in greater detail in a future episode. But according to this work, the criminal market appearing alongside cattle rustling most commonly is arms trafficking. In fact, of the 29 illicit hubs across the region in which cattle rustling was identified as a major criminal market, arms trafficking was also identified in more than half of them. 
The Global Initiative research also shows close links between cattle rustling and kidnap for ransom, which was identified in over half of all cattle rustling hotspots across West Africa. Now the link to instability is clear. Cattle rustling is disproportionately prominent in illicit hubs, identified to play a significant role in fueling instability. Cattle rustling has led to other illicit economies. So we are talking about kidnapping. We are talking about, uh, you know, looting. We are talking about extortion. We are talking about arms and drug trafficking. Just to give the example of arms trafficking, which is um, the one that is the closest linked to cattle rustling, you find that the trafficking of small arms and light weapons is a catalyst of the intensity of violence, including cattle rustling, making the conflicts even more deadly with serial clashes and reprisals. So that environment, it's, it's a, the very environment in which cattle rustling actually thrives. Then uh, secondly, you find out that um, as uh, a security official revealed to us that arms trafficking in Mopti region, for example, is strongly linked with cattle rustling. Uh, the weapons are bought uh, through livestock traders. That's number one. And then they are paid in cash. So you, you can see that there is a level of interdependency between the, these illicit markets. And um, you will find that when military operations take place or when there are clashes between the groups, these prices go up. And when the insecurity goes down, the prices go down. So you can see that these markets are very uh, sensitive to the insecurity and also they are very dependent on the insecurity. Deo, who is buying these weapons? There are factors, uh, you know, that favor the trafficking and the flow of small arms and light weapons. Of course, the first among them is cut rustling. And that, this is because its intensity has also prompted herders to acquire weapons to protect themselves. So that shows that not just one group of buyers, but there's also the other group of buyers, which are herders who want to protect themselves against, against cattle. Many unemployed people from the regions that are affected, central and northern Mali, bought arms to prove membership to an armed group so that they could join the military since there's no work. And so uh, they found buying arms as, you know, a clever way to ensure that they, they were integrated into the mainstream army. So that has made arms trafficking very, very lucrative. What makes cattle rustling so difficult to monitor or police? Uh, it's an illicit market that doesn't depend on the international trade. Now, the reason why I say that is because when you look at something like uh, drugs, it is illicit, but it can easily be monitored uh, through the international system. When you look at illegal gold mining, you will find that there's a way in which the international community can follow up, track, and trace uh, what is illegal. But cattle rustling finds a ready market. First of all, uh, the cattle are in countries in which sometimes even the population of the cattle is not properly known. So the international community doesn't know and doesn't follow it up very easily. So in that context, you find that there's ready cash that uh, helps the armed groups to arm themselves. 
they steal from the from the locals they then go to another locality and and then sell the cattle at a throwaway price these cattle then you know find their ways across the border well recent political turmoil in mali has certainly not helped the situation tell us how that has unfolded and essentially created security gaps in mali there was the first coup in august 2020 then in january 2021 there was another coup and of course that made the situation more volatile on the ground and of course after that the military government started having issues with the international community first uh, it was ecowas that uh, imposed sanctions because of the you know the, the conventions that are signed by the the countries about coups and therefore it was the logical thing for the economic community to to do uh, but then that of course created economic uh, environment that of course led to more cattle being stolen then of course the the malian government also was involved in this standoff with uh, the french government which was spearheading the fight against jihadist groups in the country and in the larger sahel region and that of course also created some level of instability because the french troops had to leave faster than it had been planned before so with all these security gaps that were being created by the withdrawal of the french troops and the european troops and of course sometime last month the military government announced that mali was pulling out of the g5 sahel which is another task force that is on the ground to fight jihadism so all these things have come together to make the situation more complicated for the communities you find also that uh, banditry is on the rise and within all this you find that uh, the state embedded actors uh, are also getting more and more involved because of the situation of uh, misunderstanding that you find on the ground mali is now being led by an interim government in the form of a military junta led by colonel asimi goita Deo, has this junta been able to respond to cattle rustling in any way? The Malian security forces have failed to act in many cases. Uh, we find that the level of response still remains very low. That is because the law enforcement systems that are in place, for example, one that is called Secure Development and Governments Units to you know to translate from French, which talks about le pôle de sécurité et de développement et de gouvernance, in partnership with the European Union. That's uh, an initiative that the Malian government is implementing. You find that even though it is meant to facilitate the restoration of the state and administration and free movement of people living in in secure areas, you'll find that. though these security forces bring together the national guard the police the gendarmerie and the soldiers you'll still find that they do not go beyond commune headquarters uh, and therefore the villages where most of the cattle rustling takes place remain unsecured and uh, you know because uh, this is military in nature and their main interest is jihadist incursion you find that uh, a lot of times the banditry that takes place the cattle rustling that, that takes place is ignored 
Mali is West Africa's second largest livestock producer after Nigeria. Despite the importance of the sector and the urgent need to address cattle rustling, it's unlikely any concrete action will be taken in the near future as Mali continues to be mired in insecurity and political instability. That's where we leave it for this episode of Africa and the Global Illicit Economy from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. A big thank you to my guest, Deo Gomba, from the Global Initiative's West Africa Observatory. If you'd like to find out more about Deo's research into livestock theft as an organized criminal activity, check out the new Risk Bulletin for the Global Initiative's West Africa Observatory. You can find a link to this in the podcast notes. If you want other podcasts and publications on a range of illicit markets in Africa and beyond, head over to our website, globalinitiative.net. I'm Lindim Tongana, and we'll be back in a few weeks. Thanks for listening. Music